Hi everyone, it's Claire here, Events Manager for With A Slack Group, and I'd like to welcome you all to another episode of Sensational, the Special Educational Needs Podcast. Before we start our session, I just want to say a big thank you to everyone who signed up to the podcast, liked us on one of the streaming services, or just mentioned our little podcast to someone else who might benefit from the information provided. Everyone's support really is appreciated because, you know, that's what we're here for, to share advice, support and experiences in hope that we can help empower parents, carers and professionals with knowledge and along the way celebrate our wonderfully unique children and young people. So today we're going to be looking at the role of friendship with autism and I'm really pleased to be able to introduce to you our expert speakers. And they are Justine Sims, head teacher at Pompville School, and Gail Silcox, speech and language therapist with SAC Group Clinical Services team. So, welcome to the podcast, Justine and Gail. Now, guys, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourselves and your work? Hi, so my name's Justine Sims. As Claire said, I'm the head teacher here um, at Pompville School. I'll have been at Pompville for almost um, six years. Um, and thoroughly enjoy my role um, working with our amazing children and young people. Hello everybody, Um, I'm Gail Silcock. I work at Pontville School as a speech and language therapist. Been there for, or been here for two years, but had uh, a lot of experience around different parts of the UK and indeed across the world in different roles in speech and language therapy. And I'm absolutely passionate about social communication because I think it gives us so much of a leg up in life. That's brilliant, right? Okay, so we'll move on to our questions shortly. But before we do, I just wanted to begin by pointing out how often I hear this topic come up amongst the parents and carers that I speak with through our webinars and podcasts and online support. It can be a really lonely place for a child and, you know, a family as well to be in. But I feel it's really important to say that people certainly aren't alone in this matter. Many households are tackling different variations of this topic So hopefully for those families, they'll be able to pick up on something from today's session that will help them along their journey. So let's move on to our questions now. Um, To begin with, why is the role of friendship in autism such a complex topic to discuss? So if um, I start off really as part of our um, admissions process for when children and young people come to the school, Um, They'll have a look around the school, they'll um, meet with myself, they'll meet with Gail or another one of our um, speech and language therapists um, and then we'll have a chat and a discussion and I'll have um, a a talk with parents really. Um, And one of the questions that um, I ask parents as part of that admissions process is, does your child um, have any friends? Do they want friends? And invariably, that starts quite a long discussion as what can be a really difficult area for our children and young people. Potentially, they are finding it really difficult to make or sustain friendships, whether that's in their current settings or actually in their kind of um, home environment in their locality. So it is a a really important thing, uh, an area for our families and for the children themselves. Absolutely. And often parents will say... Um, you know, no, my child doesn't have any friends, 
but they would really love a friend. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that that's key, really. And I think it's quite tricky for a, an adult or a carer to sort of admit, well, they're finding this so hard, and yet it's something that I've done every day all my life, and we take it for granted, don't yeah. we? And mm-hmm. yet, as a young person, our heart goes out to watching these little ones who are really struggling, but we just, it's so alien to us because we've formed those friendships along the way. Okay, so moving on, um, what are the barriers for ASD learners when it comes to making friends? I think our young people um, will often tell us that they have a feeling of not belonging or the fact that they feel that someone doesn't get them or Mm -hmm. understand them or have that feeling of being different. And and that can be a huge barrier for our children and young people. That sense that actually I don't fit in. I'm Mm -hmm. not the same as you. I don't like the same things as you. And that can be really difficult, really challenging. And some of our young people, they just unfortunately don't yet have the language skills to invite that friendship and to make that initial approach to somebody that they think they might like to get it going. And I think the other thing is maybe some of them, perhaps if they've been older and they've been encouraged, they've tried and then it's gone wrong and they've had that fear of rejection. On to our next question now. So for some children, the importance of having friends might be a key element to their happiness. For others, the anxiety that they feel when trying to make friends or be part of a group might be too much and they actually prefer to be in a to be social in a removed way, you know, perhaps playing games online. It might also be that some are happy to acknowledge that they actually just aren't ready for friendships yet and the anxiety that it brings and may look for it in the future. So what would your advice be here to parents and carers who just want to see their children happy, you know, playing or socialising with other children and young people? I think one of the things to kind of reassure parents really is not to force a friendship, not to... um, try and make that a higher priority than potentially it might need to be. Mm -hmm. I remember I had one young person who um, came to me, still still at the school, who had calculated how much time he was going to spend at school and how many hours um, he was going to be here and that actually he didn't want any friends. Um, He was going to concentrate on his schoolwork and he'd calculated how many hours he'd got after he'd left school and then he was going to prioritize that yeah he has got friends in school yeah it's lovely but the fact that he he kind of said actually that's not a priority for me yeah I've got a job to do I'm gonna come here and learn yeah whereas for, for other children they come and having a friend having someone with a common interest Mm-hmm. really important to us and I think yeah. um, we'll, we'll talk about a bit later on about how you can facilitate that in kind of yeah because that's one of the things isn't it is that all children are different and different mm-hmm. things will work for them and I suppose it's identifying what's going to work for them at that moment in time really 
I think as a parent, though, you um, can value your child going along and being a part of something. They don't need to be a vocal part or a very active part, but the fact that they are there, that they're engaging and looking at those positives, because actually everyone's got something to add and bigging up the little steps along the way. It doesn't have to be a full-blown friendship immediately, but the fact that they go to that club every week and they feel comfortable and safe there, that's a big thing to be part of. Yeah. Yeah. You touched on um, the the friendships around online and, and gaming mm-hmm. and, and so forth. And, and potentially in what has been a really challenging two years in terms yeah. of restrictions and so of course. forth, that's been, you know, a bit of a lifeline for some of our yeah. young people to mm-hmm. uh, have contact with other young people on games that potentially are a shared interest or something mm-hmm. that they both enjoy. Um, and it's getting that balance around it, like Gail said, you know, going to a club or an event or something that your youngster really enjoys and actually being there is a success in itself. Yes. As yeah. much as communicating successfully with a young person, you know, a, a friend online. So it's getting yeah. the balance around that. Definitely. Okay, so we've already mentioned it, but communication is a big part of making friends, isn't it? So for children who find communication and understanding responses to social social cues difficult, it adds another barrier to them. So what techniques could be used here to help in this situation? I think at school we've often tried giving them a little bit of a script if they do so want a yeah. friend quite badly we can try giving them a little bit of a, a one-liner such as can I join in or oh do you want some help there or yeah is it my turn soon just so that they can get in on the action and it's probably a very short phrase but it's just that tiny weeny way in and maybe that will lead on to something a bit more spontaneous because sometimes that little initiation is just such a big step for them. I think we've also looked at as well where we've um, primed somebody who potentially has got stronger communication skills to to initiate conversation or or to model that with another young person so that actually that uh, initial communication uh, worry, anxiety is taken away um, and we've seen some really positive kind of outcomes from that as well. I think the environment has a big part to play in facilitating initial approaches for children because I think if you can get the the rest of the environment calm and less threatening so perhaps not too many people around or a quieter place or somewhere they feel really comfortable in their normal daily routine that's a big step because it takes all the rest of the anxieties away from that first encounter. Yeah, I know that setting the scene is like, seems like a really important point there. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so now we're going to look at some different sort of real life experiences that you guys have had. So first, let's begin by looking at a teenager um, who would like to make friends and is trying to, but perhaps trying a little bit too hard. So can you talk us through this and what your advice would be here? Yeah, so we we talked about um, a, a young person who um, came to the school and friendships were um, really important to him, um, but his special interests 
the things that, you know, excited him and kind of he was um, really keen to talk about were also a real high priority. And he uh, took a liking to another young person who had the same shared interest. However, he was so keen to um, to be that young person's friend that the other young person actually found that a bit overwhelming and felt a little bit um, threatened by it. Although it wasn't, you know, it was done with best intent and it was because they both got a shared interest. So what we did together was um, we actually put set times, agreed times for the two young people to meet so that it was um, a planned event. It wasn't um, something that just happened. It wasn't something that then would cause the other young person potential anxieties so that they knew um, that they would meet that young person at lunchtime, the second half of lunch, or at a break time and so forth. And they'd have a set period of time where they could talk about their um, common interests. And actually, this worked beautifully because they then really looked forward to this time. It was planned. It was structured. It was a time when it was just them because um, some um, some of our young people can find it a bit overwhelming if other people try and join in. And especially if they've chosen a friend, they can feel a bit upset if somebody else talks to someone. So we needed to stage that, yeah. that young person. And actually, because we, we structured it, we planned it, um, and it, um, it worked for both of the young people who were older students, they actually developed a really strong friendship from that. Oh, that's lovely. All the way through their their school life, which was lovely, oh, really lovely. That's fantastic. I'm a big fan of trying to sneak um, things in under perhaps under the radar in a different guise. So perhaps uh, we have a young man here who was really keen on football. He wasn't a very sociable young man, but he was really passionate about football. And we engineered a little bit of coaching for him with an older student whom he wouldn't really have had any contact with. And those two have practiced hard and the trust has built and they're now really quite good pals. And that was all in the name of something else, i.e. football coaching, not friendship building. So it sort of took the pressure off them all a little bit. And I've seen it also work really well in our dining hall, whereby um, young people perhaps just very intent on eating their meal. But if somebody else comes along that they might like to get to know and perhaps we can rearrange the tables and the proximity, Sometimes a lovely little friendship can start just with a casual comment about lunchtime or even just the familiarity of being around that person. So it's it's sort of engineered, but it's not pressured. Okay, so that that's some great, great stories there. So thank you for sharing those with us. And um, so moving on, I've spoken to quite a few parents who are seeing positive results um, when their children are being put together on a, on mixed activities, which you both have already sort of touched on, because they share this this common interest. Um, so what are your experience of this? And are there any things to highlight that need to be considered um, before setting them up, you know, on these um, combined interest activities? I think when I was doing my postgrad and... Um, 
and and some people finding their special interest um, was absolutely the way that they could have some downtime, could um, relax, not only kind of enjoy the activity, but actually when potentially a young person was feeling anxious, actually if they talked or took part in their special interest, something that was really important to them, it helped them to get to a baseline where they had a state of kind of feeling less anxious um, and kind of um, ready to kind of move on to the next thing. So we have, we have lots of different activities in school that are completely varied um, and we allow the young people to choose what those activities are and often they will choose activities that they really like and really enjoy and what that then gives them is opportunities to be with other young people that they wouldn't normally be with. So it may be somebody who is older or is younger, but they because they've got that um, shared interest and that love of um, whether it's Pokemon cards to uh, animals, it's been varied. I've had to really gen up on a range of things, dinosaurs to trains to fans, whatever it may be. You'll be an um, expert on all those oh, things. Well, uh, uh, you know, uh, Claire, I wouldn't say expert, but <laughs> you do a lot of reading and watching around and, yeah. and so forth. But actually, it, it broadens their potential friendship group it's it's not just somebody that they're in class with that is the same age or that they're yeah. always you know traveling with actually it it gives them a wider opportunity to meet people who uh, they will find commonality with and they will be able to communicate together at a level um, that brings them joy, really. And that's what friendship's about, isn't it? You know, about exactly, you know, yeah. fun together. Yeah, definitely. We've seen it quite um, quite noticeably that when a young person's doing something that they're so enjoying and engaged with, they've got a sense of control and relaxation. The language skills just flow beautifully from then and their whole body relaxes. And that then is also very appealing for the little youngsters to join in because they see somebody having fun, radiating their interest in something. And that's really attractive to other people, isn't it? You want to be involved in something that's so much fun and absorbing. So I think it's lovely to give them that control and then gravitate towards something that they really like. Yeah, absolutely. So we talked about communication. We said, you know, it can be a challenge. So what would your plan be for a young person who, you know, is really keen to get to know another young person, but just doesn't know how to start the conversation who just doesn't know how to communicate it? For me, I think there's um, a couple of non-verbal children in school whom we've managed to get a lovely friendship going. I don't think they still say an awful lot to each other, but they're very happy in each other's company. And what we did there was we... um, we're able to show them some pictures of young people in different classes and say, which one of these people would you think you'd like to um, invite along to do some cooking with you and take the emphasis off the um, necessarily the friendship, but who would you like to cook with so that they've got a bit of a, a goal and someone to spend that time with. So the pictures have been really helpful. 
We've also um, looked at as well where um, all the time as the adults, we are trying to communicate and role model um, what that looks like so that um, if, if we're in um, a trio, you know, two young people and an adult, actually we're role modeling all the time um in in terms of how you would communicate with someone else so that um our our young people see that and um can observe that and feel what that um you know feels for them really um we do that opportunities throughout the day as well as kind of discrete learning but things like lunchtime social times where we have adults you know modeling conversations Mm -hmm. for our young people um and 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 that really helps to develop the communication skills between the youngsters together Okay, so moving on to where we're coming to our sort of final set of questions now. So even for us as adults, putting ourselves out there, you know, it's daunting, isn't it? You know, walking into a new workplace, meeting mums or dads on the playground, it can all be so intimidating. And like we know, sometimes on occasions, there's going to be things that just doesn't work out. It doesn't go to plan, no matter how much preparation you put in to something, it just doesn't go as you want it. Um, so what about if this happens with a child that you've been preparing um, you know, to put themselves in a social situation, perhaps it doesn't go to plan and they are left feeling upset or rejected by this circle that they're trying to get involved in? How would you guys sort of advise to bring a child back to a positive place, you know, for them to be willing to then in turn put themselves out there again? I've done some work with a young person who felt very uh, rejected and we came back to what he was as a person and what he could offer. So it was about being a good friend to himself and recognising that he was a good, kind person. He was helpful. He was supportive. He was funny. He was good at certain things. And building that level of self-esteem was something that he could hold on to. And he knew in his heart of hearts then he could offer that to people who did appreciate that and wanted that in in a friendship with somebody else. So holding on to what you really are and, and all the good things that you have was so key to him moving on from a situation where people didn't really appreciate him at that time. I think as well it's... Um... It, it's part of um, our life, isn't it? If we think about oh, our, yeah. our own friendships um, from when we were young to friends, have we still got those friends now? And yeah. actually it's not a negative that potentially we we might lose friends on the way or lose touch with people. So it's just about learning yeah. those skills, really. It's part of life, isn't it, that these things are going to come to sort of test us and it's about the way we manage and, and deal with them and then move on, yeah. I guess, really. Absolutely. And, and, and looking that potentially, you know, often... Um, especially for when our youngest students come through, um, our parents will talk about that um, other children potentially will find it difficult 
um, to play with them because a young person might want the rules to be their way or their games or their interests. And it, it's, it's teaching those negotiation skills, compromise, turn-taking, all those things in 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 life that we need as a friend you yeah. know um and, and and as gail said it's about making sure that a young person has a really good self-worth and self-esteem yeah actually absolutely. everybody yeah. has got something to offer something absolutely amazing to offer yeah. that another person would think they're amazing i would love them to be my friend yeah. So it's just reassuring the young people within that. Yeah, I love that, saying that, you know, making that point that you've got this lovely quality and really, you know, empowering them with it, really, I guess. So our next question comes back to sort of online social aspects. So, you know, I speak and listen to parents and carers from across the country, and a lot of them have really strong feelings about their position on computer games and their children accessing a social group through them. Some are just so delighted and and pleased to hear a confident, happy child, you know, talking with other children online about a game that they're part of. Others are really worried or concerned about the amount of time that their child's spending in their room on a computer and away from the outside world. Um, And, you know, everyone has a different take on this. There's no right or wrong. But, you know, what are your opinions on, on this? I think I said earlier on, you know, in terms of COVID times, it absolutely was a lifeline to um, some of our young people and adults. Um, you know, in terms of our working world, in terms of making those um, connections. I think, as Gail said earlier on, it's all about balance, isn't it? It's about getting um, balance in, in, in what we do, really. So there is a place, absolutely, um, for, for the online world and, and, and having those interests and, and gaming communities. But as parents ourselves we know that we want our young people to be safe don't we and and i think that the anxiety um comes from that potentially you don't know who the the other person is um on the other end of line so it's making sure you know as a family you have got all your security settings and and so forth set that um, you've got um, that open door policy. So, you know, everything's not getting shut down, um, you know, when adults are coming into the room, all those kind of safeguarding checks, really. And also potentially uh, maybe gaming with your child, you know, so you've got you've got that. Yeah, getting involved in it yourselves. Yeah, definitely. I like that. Yeah. yeah. I know some of a number of our families that um, and staff that are big gamers, they love it. They absolutely love it. But it's about getting that balance as we work with our young people. We know in terms of positive mental health, about physical activity, you know, getting outside, getting outdoors. It's all those things. It's about getting the balance of the two, isn't it, really? Absolutely. I think for parents, feeling that um, sense of um, 
stress about who are they online with and are they communicating safely. There's an awful lot that's going on in schools throughout the country and we take it very seriously every term there's something about online safety and because it's so ever present I think that could be a good way for some parents to open the dialogue with their young people. It's not necessarily them asking are you safe online but asking oh what do you do at school about online safety and hopefully being able to have that open conversation in a slightly less accusative way um, or a less fearful way because it is big news out there we do try very hard to educate young people about um, the malintent that some people do have I think also the other thing for me is setting boundaries not being afraid as a parent to say right two hours and then it's dinner time and that's it for the computer for yeah. the day. Yeah. And being firm and being clear about that and being uh, able to say, well, this is why and we're doing something else later. So if there's yeah. a good other reason to come off the computer, that's always very uh, appealing, isn't it, to a young person? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so our fa- final question now. Um, so if you could sort of fire out a couple of do's and don'ts when it comes to children and young people with ASD making friends, what would they be? Sort of the key highlights to remember. Uh, I would say don't force it. You know, it's, you know, um, don't force a friendship. You, it, it wouldn't feel nice um, as much as you would want your young person to um, have friends, we need to make sure that that evolves in the right way, really, um, for them. So absolutely don't uh, force it. Um, Let their um, young people know that friendships do change, you know. You can be absolutely the best of friends. You spend all your time together and actually then you might grow and take different pathways. And that's so important. Yes. Especially as they get older and people move on to do different things and different interests. It's just a natural thing, isn't it, you know. Yeah, and I think it's about reassuring their young person that that's not about that they're being rejected or that they've done something wrong. That's just about that you make different choices and you Mm -hmm. take different pathways as your life kind of goes on, really. Going back to your point there, Justine, about not forcing it, I think there's something about also not being too prescriptive about any specific number of friends that their little one's got to have or any type of friends who we are attracted to is all very unique and I think that um, if we were prescriptive about having two friends when one's enough for one person why put that extra pressure on them exactly I think that's again such an important thing one true friend who really cares about your happiness and everything is so it's so much richer isn't it than on mass, you know, who you're sort of lost in the crowd type of thing. Um, okay, so any any further points that you want to add? No. I think it's just about just reminding ourselves that all of our young people have something amazing. Yeah, somebody else will think is absolutely amazing, and sometimes we might need to help them find that. We might need yeah. to engineer a meeting or a piece of time or a a common interest 
or we, that might be incidental. It might just evolve um, naturally, yeah. organically, really. But yeah, all of our young people have something amazing that someone else would equally think is amazing. And what, what a point to finish on. <laughs> that was amazing. And um, so that does bring us to the end of the podcast. A massive thank you to Justine and Gail for being part of today's session. Um, and I really do hope that our listeners, that they're able to take away a few ideas that they can consider or even just have like a feeling of, of peace of mind that there are lots of options and ways to take positive steps forward on this matter. Um, for everyone listening today, you can visit our website as well. And there are loads and loads of resources on there, webinars, downloads and podcasts, you know, focusing on all sorts of varying things, ADHD, but lots and lots on autism as well. Um, so if you want to take a look at the website, uh, here it is. It's with a slack group.co.uk forward slash webinars. Um, so a massive thank you again to Justine and Gail for their time today um, and see everybody on another podcast in the future.